Welcome, everybody, to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at BurnOrangeNation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you can find fine podcast content. For some reason, you can also find Kyle and myself. Feel free to connect with us on social media at Longhorn Potter. Shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodrich. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man who celebrates June 27th all year, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Slow loud and banging all in my trunk. No, uh, Houston rap always forever undefeated. Um, R.I.P. Uh, DJ Screw and the litany of other heroes uh, of this great fair city in our hip hop uh, game. Uh, no, Gerald, I, I celebrate uh, only only three things in the month of June. Of course, that's June teenth, June twenty second. That's my wedding anniversary, and June twenty seventh. I mean, it's it is. One of the most important days, I won't say in Texas history, but um, at least one of the most important days in music history. It is certainly the, one of the most important days in freestyled uh, music history. Um, it is, uh, it is, it is DJ Screw's most probably iconic moment, although he had many. Um, and it is, you know, the greater the greater Southern rap and the transition of. That music as an art form. If you don't know what we're talking about, and you didn't celebrate June twenty seventh by listening to a, I don't know, was it 36, 35, 37 36, minute, yeah, yeah, minute uh, freestyle. It's one of the greatest uh, pieces of art produced in the past fifteen or twenty years. The amount of Big Mo I've listened to in the last <laughs> several days of my life because of that uh, is probably embarrassing, but it's fine. So let me let no before you get off the point. Let me just say. There is there is something very specific. It's like when you crave Taco Bell and you know you try to eat regular tacos or other meat substitutes and it does nothing for you. When you have a big mo craving, there is literally no other rapper who will satisfy that very specific, wonderful, uh, melodic and 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 deep like almost pug like delivery. Sounds like he's just breathing through the uh, just you know, he he how he does it is 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 beautiful and, and unmatched. It's ridiculous. It's it's Oh, it's just ridiculous. So uh, we've got a kind of a, a scattershot show. We've got a lot to talk about today. Uh, and we're going to start with the news that uh, now we can say former Texas Longhorn Nickelback Anthony Cook. Uh, he is apparently no longer with the team and is confirmed that his name is in the transfer portal. So he will be making his way somewhere else. And that's uh, great for him. We're excited to see where he lands. Uh, 42 tackles, a sack and a forced fumble in his two seasons at Texas. He tweeted earlier in the offseason that he was not going to be playing uh, for the University of Texas. It was up there, and then he deleted it by the next morning. And, and depending on what you read, a call from Coach Herman and some of the other leaders on the team kind of smoothed things over. But again, something else blew up. I'm not sure what it was, uh, but it seems like Anthony Cook, or not seems like, but Anthony Cook 
is finding his way elsewhere. He was part of that big kind of first wave of Tom Herman recruiting at Texas. He was uh, a five-star commit, like a big, big name for the University of Texas. Again, hadn't quite lived up to at least the standard that we want, but that that like 2018 class of Stearns, Foster, Green, uh, Overshone, uh, and then Anthony Cook was, uh, you know, just a, a, mes- a measly, like what number six in that class that was mm. chock full of, Five stars and near five stars, but again, whole nother conversation. Deshaun Jameson also in that class. A lot of lot of dudes uh, in in that one. Um, you know, apparently after his initial talk, uh, Tom Herman was able to call him, and that's where you kind of saw the conflicting reports. He he talked him off the ledge, if you will. Don't know exactly um, what's happened between then and, and going back into the portal. Um, but you know, good luck to to him. The the interesting thing is in Chris Ash's. Um, uh, defensive scheme. Right? They seem to really, really prioritize speed on the edges uh, in the cornerback position. Um, that's why you saw him move inside to the nickelback. Um, you saw Jamison and Josh Thompson kind of leapfrog guys, and Jalen Green and, and Anthony Cook, who were both you know very touted, very very touted um, players as, as recruits um, and, and underclassmen, and then and players who played a lot. Green starter last year, but it looks like you know if you season were to start today, you could have Thompson and Jamison as your starting cornerbacks, just because pure 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 raw speed on the outside seems to be uh the the desire and then i I think the writing on the wall says that um chris adimora was number one at that said nickel position so not only was cook not playing his preferred you know or as he thinks his best position at corner but then he wasn't automatically given the first uh shot at that that nickel um position so uh, you know that seems to be that it was just a too many cooks in the kitchen type scenario, pun intended, um, there. But, I mean, I don't, you know, wish anyone anything but success uh, in the rest of their career. Um, But, uh, you know, I do think that it's weird to say, but I do think that UT is probably situated pretty well um, to handle this exact, you know, this specific, uh, you know, loss of a a standout recruit and, and, you know, decent player who, who you know potentially could have uh could have improved and, and reached the 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 lofty billing yeah and i i feel like for one never faulting a kid for doing what they think is best for their career so like wherever anthony cook ends up we are we are going to be a fan of his and we want to see him succeed but i i actually went back and it was funny i was trying to find something like mindless to put on i was doing some you know you have those days where it's like i got some data entry that i need to do like just some, some inbox cleanup and so i'm still working from home so i put on um the the bowl game the alamo bowl game in the background just kind of background noise i could look up and, and not really lose my place in this excel document i was working in and so i uh i I was shocked. I was surprised. Like I was kind of focusing in on Chris Adimora because this news uh, came out and like, he's actually really good. And I, I think the the yeah. conversation has really shifted to, well, did Adimora just really overtake him? And that's why Anthony cook is going. And, and I, I'm fine with that. Like if, if, if Chris, if Chris Adimora, a, a guy a year younger than him won the spot and that's what, you know, made, Anthony Cook decided to take his talents elsewhere. That's fine for all parties involved because I think he, you know, he's going to find a place where he thinks he fits. You know, Jason Washington is uh, in Starkville and Stark Vegas, and so they're they're always they're always a needing defensive talent in the SEC. Um, and I think for Texas, I think it works out that that Addie Moore will, I guess, clearly be the guy. I mean, the, my my hesitation and 
kind of based on what you said, Kyle, we saw what injuries can do to a secondary last year. One of the yeah. reasons, one of the many reasons why that was a historically bad defense was because injuries absolutely decimated them. So depth is never something I'm going to be mad about. And I think that's the issue uh, when you see a guy like, uh, when you see a guy like Anthony Cook decide to take his talents elsewhere because he's, Anthony Cook as your as your one A option at a at a nickel spot is a really good position to be in, and so um, again Texas loses a guy that at least from a depth perspective uh, is a massive massive hit. I think from again the number one um, Chris Adimore is a, is a heck of a player, uh, and I'm excited to see him flourish. Yeah, and, and like a, just to reiterate, you think about like a Josh Eaton who ended up going to OU uh, instead of UT. You, you see when a new defensive coordinator came in, uh, his prioritization. Anthony Cook was you know the number seven overall um, player. I think they had six top twenty-five defensive backs in that class. He was number seven. I think only BJ Foster was in the final rankings above him, but he did slide a little bit from like number number one, you know, or number number two wherever he was in the in the defensive back ratings. Um, because in that in that game uh, the I don't know if it's still called the Army All American game, but at the time I know it was the U.S. Army All American game in in San Antonio. It was obviously all the best players are there, and one of the things they noted is is uh, he was a little you know handsy. He relied on kind of bumping and getting into people's frames. It was long, um, six foot with a big long frame, but didn't necessarily have recovery speed. So again, if you're looking at a, a coaching staff that is all about speed, all about recovery speed, all about first step speed, then guys like Eaton, guys like or uh, Eason, guys like uh, Anthony Cook, you know probably didn't fit that as well and it might simply just be a scheme fit but just a reminder you know the, the top six of the top 25 defensive backs and then you're not even talking about Chris Adamore who played you know made one of the, the plays of the season in that Alamo Bowl you were talking about with that tip um, and just a bunch of guys who are ready you know whether it's Overshone and 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 others stepping closer to the line or wherever just a bunch of guys who are ready this is the year right this is a couple years on this is where those guys should not just be okay can he take the next step it's like all right we've already seen them be great now it's like this defensive you know uh, secondary should not be in the bottom half of the Big 12. It should not be outside of the top 30 in the country. This should be a, a defense that's so loaded with talent where these guys, Stearns, you know, um, Overshun, Foster, these guys are making their name, making their mark. And this is where the secondary kind of becomes a position of strength uh, for UT, and, and they truly show out, and it becomes uh, DBU-worthy with a class like that. Absolutely, and, and I think with the way that they recruited in – 18 and 19 in that secondary like we've seen flashes we saw Deshaun Jameson do what Deshaun Jameson does right and make athletic plays and just be an athletic freak we saw again Chris Adimora do what Chris Adimora does in that game and he um was able to play in a ton of space and he's like he's a weirdly violent guy and I absolutely love it we know what Caden Stearns has to offer when he's healthy uh Jalen Green we know what he has to offer when he's healthy like the secondary in in you know, we can have a longer conversation about this if we have football this year, is like the secondary, I think, has the opportunity to make a jump, not just in the Big 12, but in the national rankings and, and kind of where they're seen. And I think they could really be um, the stars of this defense like they were in some spots in, in 2019. Uh, yeah, I agree. I agree completely. I'd love to to have that uh, that conversation. And, and the interesting thing, we kind of heard about it last year before the season and, and now with the new defensive coordinator with Ash, it's not really being, you know, piped to the media as this 
crazy maverick formation that no one's ever seen before with a defensive back. They, you know, it sounds like, you know, they've already made it official, I, I believe, with Overshown um, moving to the linebacker room, you know, but playing a big 12 linebacker, right? Playing a linebacker that's going to be uh, in pass coverage a lot, but can also just come downhill and hit people, which is, you know, kind of the safety uh, spot that Overshown was, was you know, doing anyways in Perfect Four. Um, and then also I've heard some reports in, in conflicting that, you know, that nickel position, maybe they work out with the linebackers, um, but also that B.J. Foster may just himself be working out with the linebackers, so he could potentially be joining Overshown. Obviously, this is all off-season speculation. We don't know anything for sure uh, and won't for, for some time, but, you know, you could see I'm using air quotes here, more secondary guys on the field if they're helping to fill out that linebacker room and, and really kind of innovating with, with as offenses innovate and defenses catch up and just having your hard hitters play linebacker defensive back hybrids. I, I would be, I would be, I would be weirded out, shocked almost if Foster ended up at linebacker just because he seems like he's going to be the, the other safety. And I, but, but again, we, we, we've seen none of this on the field, so we don't know any right. of it uh, because, well, we didn't have, spring practice and you know they're currently just doing more off-season workouts so maybe in a few weeks uh we'll find out what's going on Gerald before we move off this I, I wanted to have just a quick conversation when you think about some recent recruiting classes and some guys who have come in uh, obviously you know lauded we've had some great classes under Herman um but a couple guys who for whatever variety of reasons haven't been able to contribute to their their ultimate level that we imagined as their ceiling. So I'm going to ask you, if you could have one of these following players live up to their ceiling while at UT, um, which one would you take? And and I'm curious to hear your answer. So we'll throw Anthony Cook uh, in there as one of the top cornerbacks in the in that class. Um, and then uh, Joshua Moore, who is on the team, obviously just, you know, we, we're still speculating a bit where he might be. Brew McCoy, who is not on the team uh, to Gabriel Floyd uh, and Darian Brown, who both injuries kind of derailed where they might be. And then Javon Shepard, um, who, you know, again, was a, a big recruit and a big kid uh, out of high school. And, and we kind of thought, um, you know, could, could come in and, and make some waves. I think for me, DeGabriel Floyd is the one that's a big what if, uh, especially because of what the Texas linebackers were last year. It was a it was a, a trouble spot for them, and so uh, DeGabriel Floyd to me looked like a trans like a guy who could be a transcendent talent. Like we would be talking about him with the Derek Johnsons and those types of guys are like the best linebackers to ever wear burn orange, and it's it's. It's super sad to see a guy with that level of talent. Um, I guess a guy with that, you know, a guy with that bright of a future. Like, you know, not just for football reasons, but like, you know, he had he had dreams of like after football, you know, becoming a, a personal trainer and kind of doing uh, skills work with kids. And, and so a guy like that having to kind of pull a complete 180, um, it's super sad to see. But, but again, you know, if we focus on football, because I guess that was the question, still Floyd is the guy because I think um, he's, a, he's a sideline to sideline linebacker. He is your Big 12 prototype. Like, I could rush the passer. I could cover a receiver if I have to. Like, he is kind of the prototype for what football, what linebackers are going to be in football moving forward. Yeah, I mean, I think you, you picked the right one. That's the right answer. I think to Gabriel Floyd, 
is for sure they're just the right answer. He at least was a Malik Jefferson, a guy who comes on immediately, plays as a linebacker at UT, and just has an impact enabled, um, you know, to, to be all over the field. But again, where his ceiling could have been is is truly crazy. Um, so I, I will caveat with saying that's the right answer. So I'll pick mine. Um, I think last year during the running back crisis when they were calling you and I up to check our, our eligibility, uh, Darian Brown could have just been an, an incredible asset to have purpose fit during a specific uh, specific time in Texas history. Um, but that may have deprived us of the greatness of, of the Roshan Johnson transition. Um, I might just say here, Brew McCoy, because the banter of having another McCoy, I'm going to miss that. Um, you know, the lost third McCoy brother, the many, many jokes that, that would have afforded the pregame or not that they won't still be there. Um, and just, you know, the, the fact that this guy was absolutely lauded. I mean, as a recruit as being this just un- unbelievable game changer, we'll see if we ever get to see that on the field. And then also the other thing is, is that the Brew McCoy, uh, rejiggering of, of overall rankings really, really, really made the Aggies salty. So he's maybe already achieved a lot during his very brief three-week career at UT. Uh, but but mine, I guess, if, if I can't pick Floyd, I, I might go Brew McCoy. Yeah, I think McCoy was like my 1A, but and, and I feel fairly confident saying this, I don't think the chasm between Brew McCoy and Jordan Winnington is that big. And so um, I, I think Texas right. will be completely okay with Jordan Winnington and, and uh, Jake Smith at wide receiver uh, moving forward. So I, I, I totally think we're going to be fine there. So now's the part of the show where we do our news dump because, again, we can't call it uh, where the other sports get a shine. We're going to start uh, with some brief football news. Wide receiver Kennedy Lewis, who had been suspended from the team, has officially returned to the squad. He um, they haven't they never really released why guys are suspended, uh, but he did take some classes at community college and return home to Melissa. So it seems like it was probably an academic deal, but with Texas trying to figure out its looks at receiver, the more the merrier in that room, I will go ahead and say. And another guy who could be interesting with Colin Johnson gone. He's he's tall and fast. I don't remember his high school hundred meter time, but it was like you know enough to to make you perk your head up. Uh, he, he's definitely um, a, a great combination of, of size and speed that I think we we like in our receivers and that especially that Z spot. So uh, you know, like you said, add another add another player to the mix. Uh, a guy who TC, TCU wanted an early TCU commit always seems like a guy who's good because Patterson kind of seems to know what he's doing with those kids. Um, and, and, you know, uh, getting a, a good one out of Melissa, Texas. So hopefully everything works out for him in a long, prosperous Longhorn career. Absolutely. Again, big body, 6'3". I think he's pushing 200 at this point. Yeah, right. He's listed at 200, which means he's like 198, which is totally fine. Uh, Texas Track hired uh, Jim uh, Jim Garnum as a coach of, this is an incredible title, Vertical Jumps and Combined Events. <laughs> so uh, combined events is like the steeplechase and those types of things. It's probably your like decathlon, right? Is that a thing? Um, I think heptathlon, hep- decathlon. Yeah. Th- yeah. Those types of things. And then vertical jumps. Uh, any, any major telethon, all of your yeah. thons. Yeah. Verti- UT Dance Marathon. Sorry. I'll let no, you you're see. fine. So I'm. I, we can process vertical jumps would be like, is that high jump? Is that pole vault is included in vertical jumps? Like vertical, vertical jump is the one that seems a bit, a bit murkier here, right? Yeah. Like, you know, is he stepping on any toes? Is it, is it, you know, the long jump, get out of here, triple jump. No way. Those are horizontal jumps. Obviously vertical jump is obviously the, 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 the high jump. I think that's in there, but is, is a, is a vault, a jump? I mean, it's very much vertical. It, there's a there's a jumping component, but it's it's in the title. It's vault. It's not jump. There's there's you got your high jump and you've got your pole vault. So I think it's intentional verbiage there. 
any any of the track coaches listening to this, A, do you all have titles as ridiculous as this? And B, incredible, not ridiculous, incredible. <laughs> please weigh in on the uh, on the vault versus jump. What exactly Coach Garnum is going to be coaching at UT? So actual news about Coach Garnum is he spent the last two seasons at Purdue. Um, the USTFCCCA, our favorite acronym in sports, uh, named him the Regional Assistant Coach of the Year, uh, coached a couple of All-Americans in, again, the aforementioned heptathlon and decathlon, and the aforementioned high jump. So again, no confirmation on the vaults there. Uh, at Notre Dame, he had 14 All-Americans, 18 NCAA qualifiers, 61 regional qualifiers, 17 conference champions, nine school records, and one academic All-American. That's right. And, and just as an FYI, people are saying, well, of course you had conference champions. They're independent. Uh, Notre Dame competes in the Big East and all other non-football sports. Absolutely. So softball announced that uh, Megan Scioli, I'm going to go with Bartlett, as the new assistant coach. She previously coached at Ball State for five years. Uh, she's very experienced. She's also a former professional player and was an All-American with the aforementioned Fighting Irish. That's right. And was the Big East player of the year during her time. I want to say... Similar time frame as Kat Osherman. I have to look that up, but maybe like a year or two before, because she coached, had some assistant coaching in there as well. But uh, but yeah, uh, good to, to good to bring the legends uh, onto campus. They can always benefit. And I mean, a former head coach who I think she had something like a sixty plus percent uh, winning percentage at Ball State. Um, so you know, good uh, couple thirty one seasons the last three years. So uh, a good good uh, brain for for coach white uh in what should have been the national championship this year most likely will be the national championship next year longhorn softball team come on with it so speaking of national champions that should have been texas men's tennis uh we talked a couple weeks ago they lost their probably two best players uh but brought in transfer peyton holden from princeton ivy leaguer coming on on campus ranked um in ita doubles Throughout the past season, he was in the top 10. Um, so a guy who will probably step in and hopefully at, it's it'll be hard to, to kind of carry the water of, of Sisgard and, and Ito, but hopefully a guy that can step in and, and compete for Texas. Yeah, absolutely. Peaked at number six in doubles last season. So uh, hopefully you can get the right partner here at Texas and bump that number even higher for the now national championship perennial national championship Texas Longhorn men's tennis team. Absolutely. Volleyball picked up a trio of preseason Big 12 honors, unanimous selections for Brianni Butler and Logan Eggleston, uh, as well as rising sophomore Skylar Fields. Uh, we're going to call her a favorite of the podcast. All three were unanimous all-conference players after last season. So uh, hopefully, again, another team that likely will compete for a national championship uh, at Gregory Gymnasium. That's absolutely right. Point Texas is going to be big uh, this year when we get back on campus. I, I Again, for the fans of any sport would be great, but the, the idea of playing volleyball in Gregory without fans on top of you shouting Point Texas just seems so, so weird. And, and uh, I think you will see outstanding seasons from not only uh, Eggleston and Fields, um, you know, and and Brianni Butler, but uh, going to see a couple more names make their way into that Big Twelve, uh, Big Twelve list. And speaking of being back on campus, that volleyball team, uh, Crystal Conti uh, confirmed 
will be back starting July 1st. Big 12 uh, previously determined that, that student athletes could do voluntary athletic activities on campus for volleyball July 1st and for the basketball teams, both men's and women's, they will be on campus on July 6th. The so next week will be a big week for the other sports. Obviously, those uh, athletes will be joining football, who, uh, who has been doing workouts uh for the past uh, week or two so um getting getting the athletes back on campus obviously comes with a huge huge logistics issue of of distancing covid testing quarantining if necessary and, and we've talked about on this podcast how that's looked for the football team obviously now you incorporate that for the other sports as well Absolutely. So uh, a couple of quick hitters. Texas basketball got its first 2021 commit. Uh, Kian Ijeri out of North Carolina. He's a 6'9 big man. He's unranked uh, by most of the major services. But I think, again, if if basketball does happen this year and Shaka uh, gets the most out of his most talented roster that he's had since he's been here, then that would probably uh, not be the same. And then 14 Longhorns are were tabbed as the Arthur Ashe Sports Scholar. So it's a um, the Arthur Ashe Award is a, a kind of an annual award uh, that honors undergraduate students of color who exemplify the highest standards of scholarship, athleticism, and humanitarianism. So there were 14 players across all of the Texas sports, including some guys you probably know: Roshan Johnson, Moro Jomo from the football team, Logan Eggleston from the volleyball team. Uh, you've got. Uh, Ishan Risen from the football team as well, uh, and then Kamaka Hepa from the basketball team among the 14 that were honored. Absolutely, just a very cool thing, and I believe that's you know it's a national award, um, you know. So this is like the first uh, you get honored as a scholar, and then uh, they eventually narrow the whole national pool down to a male and female winner of the Arthur, Arthur Ashe Sports Scholar Award. But uh, very, very, very proud of all 14 of those for doing uh, above and beyond and, and enough to to be even uh, to me, it would be an honor to be associated with, I think, the greatest humanitarian and sportsman probably that ever lived. Obviously, not just a great tennis player, but an incredible human being in Arthur Ashe. Absolutely. So again, 14 players up for it. It'll be uh, interesting to see how how it turns out. Uh, but that brings us to the part of the show where we give some shine to one of the best traditions in all of college athletic, Big Bertha, and we bang the drum. Brought to you by Joe Ruiz. So Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week? Gerald, you, you we gave a little bit of an update on the college softball ranks, um, and, and I, I referenced... Again, a fan, a favorite of this podcast, a favorite of Longhorns everywhere, Kat Osterman earlier. She was also herself in the news. Gerald, are you uh, are you up on your scrapyard uh, dogs um, trivia? Vaguely, yes, vaguely. Uh, okay, so uh, there is a pro softball team in, in Florida um, called the, the Scrapyard Dogs, apparently. Um, it's included 11 U.S. Olympic uh, athletes on it. I think it's basically uh, a, a team of, of Olympians just playing professionally. I imagine they're, they're barnstorming, just whooping anyone and all comers. Um, but the... the um, the reason that I'm talking about them, the reason that they are they are interesting today, is in our current climate. The uh, you don't hear as we we wait to get sports back. You don't hear so much about the sports quitting um, during this time of of you know the the NSWL, the women's uh, soccer league, being the first to return back, and, and the the players kneeling and wearing Black Lives Matter shirt, and the European soccer returning and, and players kneeling and wearing such things and and basically you're just seeing as sports come back 
uh, athletes having a voice, a new era of you know athletes having a, a platform. You've seen it in college football of players boycotting until things change with Chuba Hubbard and the Kansas State team as well. Um, and, and you know, all across the country, Florida State had some UT's uh, student-athletes stepped up. And we've commended them. Use your voice. Use your leverage. You have um, a, a platform and an opportunity to leverage that. And so in the same way, uh, our Cat our Osterman, along with the remainder of the entire team, uh, quit. Um they quit. They are no longer a part of the team. I'll, I'll jump straight to the quote uh, from Ms. Osterman. We were used as pawns in a political post, and that's not okay. Um, she told the Houston Chronicle that she doesn't accept the general manager's um, thoughts that the the uh, tweet that I have not referenced yet uh, came from a good place. Let me let me uh, tell you what, what was causing the upset. Uh, the Scrapyard's uh, Official Twitter account, uh, Scrapyard First Pitch, tweeted, Hey, at Real Donald Trump, pro fast pitch being played, everyone respecting the flag with a picture of them with hands over heart um, for the national anthem. Now, what they did was the team made an assumption uh, about the players and what they were standing for, what they were protesting. Multiple players said uh, they were standing, but they sure as hell weren't standing, and that's a quote, um, for what the general manager was asserting multiple players came out and said that you know they they won't be associated they believe black lives matter and that they felt this was utterly tone deaf um it's it's obviously relevant here because cat osterman was our our one longhorn who was playing professional sports right she was the one left until the rest of the leagues came back i have been a huge cat fan for a long time and i appreciate her stepping up and speaking out um, the former Texas State Bobcat coach, um, you know, speaking up and saying something and feeling that it was uh, her right um, and, and her responsibility. And, and again, I won't be pedantic and get on my soapbox, but I'll just say congratulations and good on you, Cat, for standing up. You are not only just a monumental pitcher, one of the greatest of all time, but you are a uh, phenomenal human and i hope that all longhorns all over will continue to um stand up and take the opportunity to just say it's not a political statement to say that equality is a cool thing and we should all fight for that and care about it i'm just i i'm just gonna go and say this i mean i think it's incredible the um the power that athletes realize that they have i mean we saw what happened in mississippi when kylan hill was like yeah probably not uh and they decided to change the state flag so like athletes realizing that um you know all of america's favorite pastimes um really they have the power to um to affect change and affect change is important to them and so uh regardless of i think where you stand on it i think people standing up for what they believe is never a bad thing and so um I'm banging the drum this week on something way less important, uh, but I will get way angrier probably about it as we defend it. Uh, Colin Cowherd, a guy who who he's great at what he does, um, went, was went on the airwaves and did his tears of college football teams. He was talking about brand and, and all of that, and we can have another conversation. But tier one was Alabama. No arguments there. Ohio State. No real arguments there. Uh, as much as it pains me to say this, OU. No arguments there and the University of Southern California. That's the end of Tier 1. Tier 2, Auburn, Clemson, Florida, Florida State, Georgia, LSU, Miami, Michigan, Notre Dame, Oregon, Penn State, and Texas. So, I I, I don't have any other words for that other than boo. Like, just, like, just what, like, Oregon's 
massive no national championships, really. Like, USC hasn't really been relevant since Pete Carroll realized the hammer was going to come down. He went to the NFL. Like, there's there's a lot to there's – a, there's a larger conversation to have. But the simple fact that Texas is tied in all-time wins with Alafrican Bama with 916 is a big deal. And this is coming out of Alabama's best decade in history and Texas's worst decade in history. And they're still tied for the best win or the most wins in college football tied for third right behind Michigan and Ohio state who both have a head start on it. And again, Michigan, they're going to run Ohio state every year. And that number is going to flip there. Texas is seventh all time in win percentage. Again, national championships. They have guys like Colt McCoy, Vince Young, like, Earl, Earl Campbell, like Ricky Williams. Uh, the, the simple fact of the matter, and, and USC has its names, but as it stands right now, coming out of the worst decade in program history, University mm-hmm. of Texas is still a top-tier program, regardless of how you slice it. Revenue, top-tier program. Viewership, top-tier program. Recruiting, top-tier program. Basically everything but wins and losses for the last couple of years. Again, even in the worst years in school history, they have been a top-tier program. So regardless of how you slice it, having Texas as a Tier 2 program is ridiculous. The I will say this. Look, kudos to Colin Cowherd for making a list of, you know, what was it, 15-ish, some 16 uh, teams to put into tiers. And nowhere did he even sniff or think about including the Texas A&M Fighting Aggies. Maybe if he went to fifth or sixth tiers, I don't know. Um, I am I am as baffled as you are, Gerald. I don't really know how you, how you slice that, like what metric you do that. You know, uh, I, I truly don't. I, I, I think you summed it up well why that's just uh, – utterly ridiculous um you know i i think i think if if you you could say recency bias but somehow usc is in there and they have not been any better since we you know since we met uh the in that national championship game you know 15 years ago now um you know they they, i don't know how you would justify that because in every metric Texas is, is superior to them, right? Except being in LA, I guess you, you could say it's a bigger city. So there's something, but if it's biggest cities, I'd say Texas probably on this list is second. Um, so I truly and utterly don't understand how that could have happened. Um, I, I, you know, a simple moving up of, of LSU and, and UT probably to that tier one and, and, and dropping USC down and probably even dropping some of the tier two guys uh, into it, a third tier, you know, just make sure there's some room where Texas is far above the rest. Put a little, put a little separation spacer. Um, but I think we all know Colin Cowherd's takes are not good. Colin Cowherd's takes on college football are especially not good. There's a documented history. If you listen to Colin Cowherd as well as this podcast, um, that's fine. Uh, I would just say, you know, go to him for your other takes. When he talks college football, pause it, turn us on. Ask us a question. We'll answer it in a far significant and superior way than Colin Cowherd could. He's never demonstrated an aptitude for the game of college football that Gerald and I so gleefully talk about on this podcast. I wasn't going to go that deep, but now that you said it, yeah, for real. So (laughs) that's all we've got for you this week. Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the internet? 
Oh, you can find me on Twitter at Kyle Corbin. You can also follow the Texas Pregamer at Texas Pregamer. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at GH Goodridge. You can also check me out on my other podcast, Two Woke Nerds. We're talking, uh, we talk DC movie news. We talk some Star Wars video game news because that's what we talk about, nerdy stuff. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter. We're at Longhorn Pod. Shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. We'll be back on Thursday previewing the O. You game. You do not want to miss it. It'll be great. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time, hook him. Hook him. It's 10.02. You know you still sucks. Mm-hmm.